Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you tonight and always glad to welcome back the man who is writing about the possibility of Texas seceding from the Union, Daniel Miller, president of the Texas Nationalist Movement and the author of Texit, Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union. Daniel, welcome back to the program. I have to tell you, my wife and I are traveling to uh, Dallas uh, in less than a month. I'm going down there for a, a meeting of the company that I work with. And uh, I don't want the place to leave the, the union while I'm there. I, I like Texas a lot, uh, but but I don't want it to split from the rest of the, you know, the other 49 states because I uh, I kind of like Texas being one of the 50. Well, you just don't want to get stuck. But just think about it. If you do get stuck on this side of Texas, then uh, think about all the great barbecue you'll get. <laughs> oh, listen, <laughs> the food down there would be my death. I got to tell you something, because it is such great food. I'd, I'd gain back 100 pounds. So, um, But t- would you mind sketching it out for my audience? Part of my audience hasn't heard why you believe that Texas will leave the union and uh, and whether or not we should work hard to make sure that doesn't happen. Right. And, and look, let me, Lars, let me preface it by saying this is not something that is reactionary. Uh, you know, this is something that uh, comes as a result of, of advocating for this position for over 22 years now. Uh, and when I wrote Texit, I, I wanted to write it from the standpoint of someone who is taking a look at this with a fresh pair of eyes. Uh, you know, while we here in Texas are, are actually living this, uh, there are a lot of folks that are outside of Texas that are really experiencing it for, for the first time, and they're trying to come to grips with it and understand it. And in doing so, uh, one of the things that I think has led to the appeal of this book to folks outside of Texas so far has been so much of our story and our motivations for Texas that they can relate to, especially if they're a state within the union. Why? But why would it be good for Texas to split off from the rest of the United States? What would make that desirable? Well, look, it, it boils down to a lot of different things. At the, at the end of the day, self-government is the best course, not just for Texas, but for so many people. But when we're making the case for Texas specifically, you know, one of the things we look at is how Texans chafe under federal laws, rules, and regulations. You know, I I distill it down often when people ask me about the motivations to one simple phrase. It's that Texans are sick and tired of living under under 180,000 pages of federal laws, rules, and regulations administered by 440 separate bureaucratic agencies and two and a half million unelected bureaucrats. At the end of the day, the Texans believe that the best people to govern Texas are Texans. But that translates into some real-world statistics where Texas, on average, pays anywhere from 100 to $150 billion a year, overpays that much money into the union, into the, into the federal side of things. That's money that Texas taxpayers go out and earn. It's sent out to the federal government that we never see again, and we don't have that money then to address the challenges that we face here in Texas. Well, and Daniel, just so people are clear on that, I, wanna, I want them to, to make sure they understand. You're saying that whatever Texas pays in federal taxes— it gets back $120 billion less than it paid. There are either net recipients among American states who pay, say, a dollar and get back a dollar and ten cents. There are other states that pay a dollar and they get back 90 cents. And, and uh, I know I can understand the resentment of saying, why are we paying all this money that effectively subsidizes all the other states? Why don't we get back the same amount we send? 
Well, look, I'll, I'll tell you, Lars, and, and this is how it plays out in very practical ways. I mean, obviously, Texans are in a very emotional state right now over the school shootings in Santa Fe. And, and Texans are scrambling for solutions. And, and obviously, one of the solutions that is a top priority for Texans is to make sure that the schools that we send our children to are safe. That costs money. And when we're sending 100 to $150 billion a year to Washington, D.C., but we need to secure these schools for our children, you know, it becomes harder and harder for Texans to swallow that we're, we need to protect our children, but yet we send money to the federal government so they can spend it on, uh, for example, you know, one of the examples that I cite in the book is uh, where federal money was spent to study the effects of excessive alcohol use by Chinese prostitutes. I mean, it's, you know, when, when we balance out the, the health and welfare of Chinese prostitutes versus the most vulnerable among us, Texans are having a harder time swallowing the federal position on that issue. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, does it? And, uh, and if you had all that money back, maybe you'd be able to harden up the schools more, which might have made a difference last week at San, Santa Fe High School. Uh, but, but instead, the, the other thing it does, it makes you dependent, Daniel. I mean, even if you got back every single dollar you send to, to Washington, D.C., I compare it to um, when you're a kid, your, your parents might say, well, whatever paycheck you earn when you're 16 – We'd like to take some of it and put it aside for you, put it into savings or your college fund or whatever. But when you become an adult, you say, Mom and Dad, I want my whole paycheck. And if they say, well, we're not sure you'll spend it right, your answer ought to be politely, well, Mom and Dad, I'm an adult now. I should be allowed to make my own decisions and my own mistakes. And if I do things stupidly or foolishly, that should be on me. And if I do it smartly and, uh, you know, I spend my money sensibly, that's to my credit not to my detriment, and yet uh, there, are, there are parents who try to continue to control their kids' lives after they become adults, and, uh, and in this case, having the federal government act like a paternal organization that says, you send us all the cash, and then we will send it back, and you have to make an argument why you should get the money back, like Texas, tell us why you need that money for roads or schools or something else. Well, why should a mature state have to explain to its masters in Washington, D.C., why it should get some of its own money back? Doesn't make any more sense to do that with a state that I think than it does with a competent adult. No, and, and you know, I think, you know, when you have to put it into terms people understand, uh, you know, obviously down here in Texas, we're still dealing with the after effects of Hurricane Harvey. Uh, actually, close to where I live, we received 68 inches of rain over a 24-hour period. So, I mean, it was it was pretty impressive. But what you have to do is you have to equate this and make it real to people. And in the book, one of the things that I do is I make, I make an equivalent, uh, an equivalency here between what the federal government does to Texas and Hurricane Harvey. And they cannot escape the fact that the economic, the negative economic impact to the Texas taxpayer by the federal government is the equivalent of Hurricane Harvey hitting Texas every nine months. Wow. Uh, but it even gets it even gets down more than that. You know, I cite a, a study that was really overlooked uh, by George Mason University, where they actually studied the effect of federal re- regulatory accumulation. You know, the feds pass regulations, they don't sunset them, they add more. And so in the study, they noticed that it began to really, uh, really begin to increase in 1949. So what they did was they went and did this economic study where they rolled back the regulatory accumulation. 
And what they found out was at the time the study was released, the average median household income was about $52,000 averaged across all of the United States. And in the absence of that impact of the federal regulatory accumulation, the average median household income should have been $330,000. And unfortunately, while you average it out like that, the people who are affected the most and disproportionately so are the working poor. So there is a real impact of the federal government, and we feel it here in Texas more so than many other states. But it's something that can be related to by any state that's in the union right now. Well, and look what's happening right now. They're rolling out, rolling back Dodd-Frank, which I thought was a bad idea. But you had sort of a one-size-fits-all set of regulations for the whole United States for its entire banking system. I'd much rather see Texas take its banking regs where you want to go. And if it turns out badly, well, that's on you. And if another state tries a more sensible approach like Idaho or Iowa or Florida, then they get the benefit. And maybe Texas looks over and says, hey, maybe you ought to do it more like those folks do. The book is now ranking number one as a new release on Amazon. It is called Texit, Why and How Texas Will Leave the Union. Its author is Daniel Miller, president of the Texas National Movement and the author of that book. Glad to have you with me, Daniel. Thanks very much.